Welcome, my name is Pastor Scotty Bockhaus, and we thank you for taking some time to listen to some audio recordings from the pulpit of the Riverview Baptist Church. Our desire is to show the Lord high, holy, and lifted up, as well as try to be a blessing to those through the Word of God. Please enjoy this message, and we pray that it will be a blessing to your life. with me to the Old Testament book of Habakkuk. The Old Testament book of Habakkuk and Habakkuk in chapter number two. The book of Habakkuk in chapter number two. As we're going through the book of Habakkuk, you all remember that we've been working with this prophet and he has been told by God that God is going to bring judgment upon Jerusalem. He's going to bring it upon Judea, and that God is going to send a wicked people by the name of the Babylonians to come, and that God is going to allow these Babylonians to destroy the nation of Judah. Now, of course, the prophet brought up the objections, but God, they're worse than we are. And God is responding and said, yes, they are. In fact, I'm going to judge these people later on. And we could see that God has always been kind, that after he uses an instrument to chasten his people, he breaks that rod. And here God is listing the judgments upon the people. We have the five woes. Remember the word woe carries the idea of cursed. And here God is listing five major reasons why God is going to bring judgment upon the Babylonians. And it's interesting. So I want you to remember what these are. These are God's charges, not a preacher's. These is not um, someone's opinion. This is what God is telling the prophet. The five reasons why God is going to chasten to destroy the Babylonians. And so we've already gone through three of the woes. Let's go to woe number four. Notice if you don't mind in the book of Habakkuk. The book of Habakkuk in chapter number four. Or 15, chapter two. Habakkuk chapter two. And notice with me in verse 15. As we come to this fourth woe. Habakkuk chapter 2 and verse 15. Woe unto him that giveth his neighbor drink, and puttest thy bottle to him, and maketh him drunken also, that thou mayest look on their nakedness. Thou art filled with shame for glory. Drink thou also, and let thy foreskin be uncovered. The cup of the Lord's right hand shall be turned unto thee, and shameful spewing shall be on thy glory. Here we could see here about God's judgment upon them was for their cause of liquor. And with this, we're going to have a Sunday school lesson of what the Bible says about liquor. What the Bible says about liquor. Now, we know that God's view here is not the popular opinion of society. In fact, may I remind you that this book is two to 3,000 years older than our current society. And so sometimes when people look at the Bible, they look at it through the lens of what's going on in modern society, and they look through the Bible through that. But we understand that when we interpret Scripture, in order to find what God meant about it, there's a couple things we look at. First of all, who is speaking? We also look about who is the audience. Then we also understand what they're saying. But number four, what did the people, the audience, understand 
that person is saying. That makes a big deal. What did the audience, how did the audience receive this message? What did the audience understand to be said here? And when we look at the Bible, we have to look at it in its context and understand what God says. For example, there are many, many passages where God is condemning liquor. In fact, in this passage here, one of the reasons why God is sending judgment upon the Babylonians is because of liquor. God is sending judgment upon a nation because of liquor. Now, we say that because today it is commonplace. In fact, in Wisconsin, many of you understand that we are the drunkenest state in the Union. That every year they do a thing of judging the, uh, the alcohol content per capita. And in the, uh, the, out of the top 20, the top five of the list, three of those cities are inside of um, Wisconsin. Green Bay, Milwaukee, and Madison. You go ahead and go to the top 10. Seven of the top 10 are Wisconsin cities. Out of the top 20, 12 of them are Wisconsin cities. So out of all the country cities inside of America, Wisconsin is number one. The 12 out of the top 20 drunkenest cities in America, Wisconsin boasts of 12 of them. And so we understand that we have an alcoholic society. We have a society that likes their alcohol. So much so that up in Wisconsin, that it's commonplace for people to bring alcohol to a church picnic. It's commonplace. It's one of those things that is so common that it's in every area. And so I understand when we say these things, we preach against culture. We preach against what is the norm. We preach against what is acceptable. Remember that just because something is acceptable in society doesn't make it biblical. And so what am I doing? Why am I saying all this? Well, I'm trying to lay some groundwork because I guarantee my top three list of hate mail has never been doctrine. Number one thing of source of hate mail, Santa. Every time I preach against that old devilish Santa, there you go, um, I get hate mail. It's been amazing to see all the hate mail that I get against Santa. Number two is music. And I can understand that because music becomes personal to people and they don't like to hear anything that may turn over something that is so near and dear to them. I get hate mail over music. Number three, alcohol. I get hate mail over those. And um, it's, it's just one of those things. So I'm saying that up front because I understand I'm going against society. I'm going against what people think. But at the same time, I got to preach what's next up. I can't skip over this. I would have liked it. It would be easier. Hey, let's go preach on something else. But God gave a woe here, gave a warning, gave a thing to Habakkuk explaining five reasons why he's going to judge the Babylonians. And number four, the fourth reason, the fourth woe, the first curse, fourth curse is on liquor. God says he was going to judge the Babylonians for their use of liquor. Think of all the athletes and the models and whatnot that advertise liquor today. That doesn't please the Lord. There is a judgment that comes before it because alcohol does affect other people. If you don't mind, as we come to here, let's understand some things that the Bible says here. 
First of all, drinking alcohol causes suffering. Drinking alcohol uh, causes suffering. Now, we understand that we could pull statistics and we could pull all kinds of things. I know that we're preaching to the choir because we all understand how awful it is for a drunk driving case. We understand that one out of two people in their lifetime will be involved in an alcohol-related accident. That doesn't mean that you're going to be drunk behind the wheel, but it means that you'll be affected, you'll be hit by a drunk driver. One out of two people are affected in their lifetime. That, that's a huge statistic. It affects people all the time dealing with it. I was working with uh, the police the other night, and um, there was a lady trying to get her on and off boyfriend in trouble, and so they just got on a date, and then she left her wallet, so she called the police. They stole my wallet when she left it there. She was trying to get him in trouble. And this isn't the first time she's done it. So we stopped the guy and, you know, with the idea that, hey, you know, we're just trying to get this settled. We understand that she's got you in trouble before, but, you know, we need to get you out. And so the guy became antagonistic. And we're like, why is he so antagonistic? Well, he was drunk. And so now we cleared him from the idea of stealing the wallet because he didn't. But now because he was driving under the influence, we have to tag him under that. You know, we feel bad, but we can't allow them to danger the safety of others. And it does affect people. Here's some statistics. With every drink, one shortens his life 20 minutes. That comes from the, the um, account to the United States Congress on alcohol. That they had medical professionals that were able to show that with every drink that you, someone shortens their life by 20 minutes. It does a damage to your body. We understand that some may have some medicinal effects, but it doesn't overcause the awful effects. More than 25,000 people are killed and 750,000 people are injured on American highways each year because of alcohol. 86% of all murders and 65% of all child abuse cases are alcohol-related. What happens is that people, when they get under drink, they don't become in their right mind. And it changes their personality. Again, I don't know how much alcohol that you've been related to. I've been through quite a bit. My whole family is full of drunkards. We've watched this. Of course, I was in the military, and we watched plenty of people. Then working with the police, we see plenty more people. Here's normal people that they get under the influence, and it changes their personality. It changes who they are. It affects how they think. We've, there's a thing of a happy drunk, that you can have some of the most normal people you have. They get drunk, and all of a sudden, they're dancing on tables and whatnot. They've changed their personality. They got the violent drunk. And these are the dangerous ones that there are, when they're not an alcohol, they're a decent human being. But you get them under the influence of liquor and they come home and their kids are afraid of them. Their wives are afraid of them. People who committed murders would not normally do so sober. But now their brain is thinking differently and they act upon it. We could understand how dangerous this is. <laughs> In fact, William Gladstone, who I'm sure you're familiar with, was a prime minister of England, one of the greatest prime ministers they ever had. This is what he said. Drunkenness expels reason. 
drowns the memory, distempers the body, diminishes strength, inflames the blood, causes internal and external wounds. It is a witch to the senses, a devil to the soul, a thief to the purse, a beggar's companion, a wife's woe, and children's sorrow. Many of you have heard, I try to remember the song and it just went off, but um, the man who, um, who was a drunkard and had arrived at um, oh, Pacific Garden Mission in Chicago. And he was such a drunkard that he had drunken his family into poverty. And his little child was sick. Little baby child was sick. And so the doctor had come to visit and said, oh no, this is horrible. This is, he needs medicine right now in order to save his life. And I know that you don't have any money, so the doctor gave the man money. And he said, go get this medicine, run, get it and get back. And so he gave it to that man. He went and ran. And there's the pharmacy. And there's the liquor store. And he chose the liquor store. And he went to the bar and he drank himself. And came back and found that the child had died. You'd think that would wake him up. They had the funeral and they, some people pitched in to give him a little cheap casket. And someone had bought brand new shoes for the child. And the man, when no one was looking, stole those shoes off of his dead child. Went and sold those shoes and got another drink and missed the funeral. On his way back from his drunken stupor, he went and passed Pacific Garden Mission. Went there and someone preached him the gospel. And Mel Trotter came to know Christ as his Savior. Mel Trotter became a great preacher and had started missions all over America to help relieve and, and to save drunkards. To give them from that thing. And of course we have a song in there. A beautiful song in our hymn book. You can look up later. I forget the name of it right now. But the man was Mel Trotter. And again you can't erase that damage. That he did. But God gloriously saved him and got him up. Of course we know that. <coughs> God is a good God. But it, we see here. That all alcohol causes suffering. Alcohol causes suffering. Of course, we know that the Bible has great prohibitions. I have here in my hand a paper, 86, 89 page paper, dealing with the law of fermentation and the wine of the ancients. And in here, it describes the chemical process of making alcohol. It describes what the Bible says about alcohol. It gives the idea of what the ancient people, you know, remember what I said, we have to understand what the people of the ancient world, how they received it, how they went through it, how they described it. Again, when we look at words today, sometimes we apply them to what we know. But we know that many times the Bible describes wine, it's dealing with freshly squeezed grape juice. And it goes through here and describes how the process of keeping the wine or uh, grape juice from fermenting and what they did and how it was a normal thing. May I give an example? Remember that when Joseph was in prison, Pharaoh put two people into prison. Who were those two people? Butler and the baker. Very good. And the butler had a specific dream. What was his dream specifically? 
that the dream was is that the butler had performed his duties, which was to take grapes and to squeeze them into Pharaoh's cup. They would actually do that at the table. How do I know this? Well, not only does the Bible and the historians say this, but many of you remember Pompeii. You guys know what Pompeii is? Mount Vesuvius blew up and it covered the city of Pompeii instantly. That people were frozen in place in the midst of their duties. Well, in the midst of Pompeii, a guy who was frozen in the midst of his duties was a guy taking for his family freshly squeezed grapes and squeezing them into a cup. And he died just like that. This is something that in the culture of that time there, this was what they would consider. It would be that freshly squeezed just to make sure that there was no... Um, I did have time to ferment, and there was a process to it. And again, this is just an 89-page paper describing what the Bible has to say and the cultures, how people would understand it, the chemical process of it. This guy did a complete job because he wants us to know historically what the ancients, and that's how we refer to it, how the ancients did things, and we have to apply it to the sense and the culture of how they sell things and how they did things. Of course, it also explains in the Bible about how dangerous it is. For example, in the book of Deuteronomy, it calls the idea of alcohol, it calls it the poison of dragons. The poison of ass. That's in Deuteronomy where the second telling of the law. It uses the idea of bottle several times when it uses the alcohol. Dealing with the idea of that bottle. The specific bottle is a container for poison. And that's how it describes alcohol. A container for poison. And so the Bible gives quite a few descriptions all throughout this idea that God is against it. And what it does because of it. Again, if you want a copy of this, I could either run a copy off or I'll send you the digital thing just for your type of thing. But we should know what the Bible and how people back in those days, they understood these passages. How they had their culture. What was on there. Because we're 3,000 years removed. Our thinking changes. This is an Eastern book. We're in Western culture. And we have to understand how the Bible people would understand and receive these things that were said. But we understand that Drinking alcohol causes suffering. Let's go back to the text and I want to show you something else. Drinking alcohol causes shame. Drinking alcohol causes shame. Notice with me back in Habakkuk chapter 2. Notice with me in verse 15. Woe unto him that giveth his neighbor drink. So here we could see God has given a warning. He's saying there's for those that are encouraging others, giving them permission, helping them to drink, there's a curse to it. That puttest thy bottle to him, and makest him drunken also, thou, that they mayest look on their nakedness. Notice this. It's tying the idea of drunkenness to nakedness. It's cause, showing the idea that this is causing shame. What is the idea of nakedness? Well, all the way even back from Genesis chapter number 3, that the idea of being naked is an idea of shame before God. And before people. We know how many. All of us have stories of some drunkard friend of ours. I, I'm saying all of us. I'm assuming most of us. That they got drunk. And they embarrassed themselves. We all know stories of people who drunk. And then woke up with someone that they just met. Never knew before. And there's that thing of there. Uh, even country songs. The girls get prettier near closing time. And the idea of, of how alcohol can even affect how we see people and how we view people. Notice in verse 16, 
Thou are filled with shame for glory. So instead of having glory, you know what your glory is? It's shame. It's come to the place where you have nothing but shame. That's what you get to brag on. Drink thou also and let thy foreskin, once again, this idea of nakedness, be uncovered. The cup of the Lord's right hand shall be turned to thee. Shameful spewing shall be on thy glory. So in a place where people should be victorious and they should be doing well in their life and they should be succeeding, all of that success is turned. You take a Billy Sunday. A Billy Sunday who was a professional baseball player. And he was a very good baseball player. And he would um, <coughs> uh, do great inside of the games. But he got drunk. In fact, if you tell his testimony, it was his friends who first introduced drink to him. By the way, Mel Trotter was a successful person. And his friends started to get him to drink. And he lost his job. He lost all of his friends. and lost everything. He was successful once. But his friends say, what's wrong with just one drink? And they enticed him to drink. Here's Billy Sunday was doing great on the baseball circuit and then became a drunkard, lost his baseball career. Of course, he ended up in Pacific Garden Mission. If you've never been to Pacific Garden Mission in Chicago, I encourage you, it's still up and running. And it's still a great lighthouse. In fact, if you want to listen to great testimonies, download um, or listen online to Unshackled. If you've never listened to those stories, listen to Unshackled. Those come from Pacific Garden Mission. But Billy Sunday was someone who got saved because of Pacific Garden Mission. And instead of being a baseball player, he became a great evangelist. And they said over one million people walked that old sawdust trail to come to know Christ as a Savior. And, but we understand, as he tells it, he, he was successful. But instead of the success, it brought him shame because of the liquor. Because of the alcohol. In fact, let's look and see what else the Bible has to say about this. Turn with me to the book of Hosea. If you're in the book of Habakkuk, the, Hosea is the first minor prophet. So just turn left. If you hit Daniel, turn the other direction. It's the book right after Daniel. But the book of Hosea, chapter number 4. Hosea, chapter number 4. And I want you to see what the Bible... So I don't want my opinion... I want you to see what the Bible has to say for yourself, what God has to say on this subject. The book of Hosea, chapter number 4. The book of Hosea, chapter number 4. And notice with me in verse number 6. Hosea, chapter 4, and verse 6. My people are destroyed for the lack of knowledge. Because thou hast rejected knowledge, I will also reject thee. That thou shall be no priest to me, seeing that thou hast forgotten the law of thy God, I will also forget thy children. As they were increased, so they sinned against me. Therefore, I will change their glory into shame. We've already hit that phrase. So God is giving them a commendation. commendation com uh, he's condemning it. Because of this, their lack of knowledge, they've forgotten God's law, they're changing the glory from shame. What's going on here? Verse number 8, they eat up the sin of my people and they set their heart on their iniquity. And there shall be like people, like priests. I will punish them for their ways and reward them for their doings. For they shall eat and not have enough. They shall commit whoredom and shall not increase because they have left off to take heed to the Lord. Whoredom and wine and new wine take away the heart. 
Here we can see God is tracing this. He starts from the judgments. I'm judging them. They have a lack of knowledge. They're no longer following my ways. Their glory is going to be changed to shame. And he's tracing back. Where did it start? Start by alcohol, which led to whoredom, which led them to forgetting God's ways and turning away. God is tracing this. My people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge. They knew the Bible, but they're no longer walking in those ways. Because liquor has changed everything for them. Turn with me, if you don't mind, to the book of Isaiah. If you're in Hosea, just turn the other direction. Daniel, Ezekiel, Lamentations, Jeremiah, Isaiah. Isaiah 28. Everybody should be able to say the books of the Bible backwards. Some people say, I can't say it forwards. Work on it forwards first then. Isaiah chapter 28. Isaiah chapter 28. Notice what it says starting at verse 7. Isaiah 28, verse 7. Again, I'm not showing you all these passages, but I'm showing you a couple. See what the Bible has to say concerning this. Isaiah 28, and verse 7. But they also have erred through wine and through strong drink are out of the way. The priest and the prophet have erred through strong drink. They are swallowed up of wine. They are out of the way through strong drink. They err in vision they stumble in judgment. Well, that's quite a big piece right there where he's saying, where did they go wrong? Because of liquor. Because of liquor, they've gone wrong. And he said over and over through strong drink, they've changed their way. They've gone, changed everything. They've stumbled through judgment. Notice with me in the book of Proverbs, if you're in the book of Isaiah, turn the other directions. It goes Isaiah, then it goes Song of Solomon, Ecclesiastes, or... Um, Song of Solomon, Ecclesiastes, Proverbs. Proverbs chapter 23, or chapter 21st. We'll hit 23 in a second. Again, I'm just showing you a couple of them, but we're trying to see what the Bible has to say about liquor. We're not looking at my opinion. We're seeing what God has to say concerning these things. And that we need to understand what, how serious God is concerning this matter. Proverbs chapter 20 and verse 1. Wine is a mocker. Strong drink is raging, and whosoever is deceived thereby is not wise. Alcohol can change the way people think, and it can make them where they're not wise. They're not understanding in the way that it affects how people think. Notice with me in Proverbs chapter 23. Proverbs chapter 23. Notice with me, if you don't mind, uh, we'll read a good portion here. Notice with me. Uh, Proverbs 23, starting at verse 20. Be not a wine, wine bibbers among the riotous eaters of flesh. Here it's saying, don't be around those people who are always drinking wine. He says, stay away from them. For the drunkard and the glutton shall come to poverty. Mel Trotter is a good example of that. He lost everything because of drink. And drowsiness shall clothe a man with rags. Hearken to thy father that beget thee, and despise not thy mother when she's old. Buy the truth and sell it not. Also wisdom and instruction and understanding. The father of the righteous shall greatly rejoice, and he that begotteth a wise child shall have joy in him. Notice here it's talking about those that are drunkards are not wise. But the parents are looking for wise children. That's what's going to bring a glory to them. But the wine is going to bring shame to the parents. Notice as it goes on, verse number um, 
25. Thy father and thy mother shall be glad, and she that bear thee shall rejoice. My son, give me thine heart, and let thine eyes observe my ways. For the whore is a deep ditch, and the strange woman is a narrow pit. By the way, let me ref- uh, define that word strange. The word strange doesn't mean she's cross-eyed and that she walks crooked and stuff. Strange just means something that doesn't belong to you. And if you've never done a study on the strange woman, the idea is that there is an enticement of desiring a woman that does not belong to you. This is a warning to men. I'm trying to tell you this is how men think, is that men are enticed by someone that doesn't belong to them. That's always an enticement. We have to work on, on that. And wine makes us to, to uh, make the strange woman more attractive. Notice, again, not cross-eyed, but someone who doesn't belong to you. That makes that desire stronger. Verse 28, she, she, this is talking about the strange woman, she also lieth in wait for a prey and increaseth the transgressors among men. Who has a woe? Who has a sorrow? Who has contingence? Who has babbling? Who has wounds without a cause? Who hath redness of the eyes? They that tarry long at wine and that go to seek mixed wine. So here it's talking about verse 29, all the causes of the alcohol. Where did all this come from? Because of the drink. Verse number 31, look not upon the wine when it is red. Here it's talking about an alcoholic wine. Here it says, don't even look at it. When it giveth the color in his cup, when it moveth itself all right, at the last it biteth like a serpent and stingeth like an adder. Thine eye shall behold the strange woman, and thy heart shall utter perverse things. Yea, thou shalt be as he that lieth in the midst of the sea, or that he that lieth on the top of a mast. They have stricken me. Shall they say, I was not sick? They have beaten me, and I felt it not. When shall I awake? I will seek it yet again. I don't know about you, but I've had so many friends in the military, the medical thing. I can't wait to the weekend. I can't wait to the weekend. And they come back Monday and they look horrible. Oh man, my head hurts. Oh, what a weekend. What happened? Man, me and my friends went out and we just drank. And then all day Sunday, I was at the porcelain throne. And then what they say is, I can't wait till the weekend so I could do it again. Will you enjoy that? What? After all of that damage that happened, you want to go and do it again? But wine is a deceiver. Alcohol is a deceiver. It convinces someone that this is what should happen. Now, let me just give this last thing here. Is that drinking alcohol could be stopped. Let me underscore this. My desire is not to take away people's pleasure. Not to take away people's enjoyment. Some people get the idea that all preachers want us to do is sit in a bare room with nothing in there and just stare and just be like a monk. No, God wants us to enjoy life. What my thing is, is I want you to be close to the Lord. And I want to remove any stumbling block that would keep someone from being close to the Lord. That's the motive that I have is I want you to have a close relationship. I'm not trying to take away people's fun. I'm trying to say, I want you close to the Lord. That's my sincere heart. I want to remove anything. If there was something that would keep you a barrier between you and the Lord, I want to point it out so we can move it out. And God can give grace. Now, I understand like tobacco, like alcohol, like pornography. Those are addictions. We're, we're all addictive people. 
we find something to get addicted to. I was talking to someone the other day. I'm a workaholic. And they looked at you and said, is that a good thing? Probably not. We all have things that we get addicted to. Kids are addicted to video games today. And they just can't stop. And believe it or not, you can uh, go with withdrawals, even with a non-alcoholic. May I be personal, be transparent? And I know this is being recorded. I used to have a bad addiction. Everybody's like, all right, let's hear what the preacher... I was addicted to professional wrestling. You say, what? Yeah. I could not miss an episode. My friends are going out. They're going to have a big thing. All right, but I got to be back before wrestling's on. What? We're having this thing. It's supposed to last for a while, aren't you? No, no, wrestling. It got to the place when wrestling started to have pay-per-views every Sunday, every one Sunday night, every um, weekend, or once a month, every Sunday, or a Sunday night once a month. I'm active in a church teaching Sunday school class, and I would find some way to skip church to go watch professional wrestling. You said, preacher, you're evil. <laughs> I'm trying to say that addictions come. And you'll be surprised what people could be addicted to. Amen. And anything that prohibits you from serving God and being obedient to God can become an addiction. Amen. Well, I came to the place where I said, I want God more than this wrestling. And so I had to give it up. And I had a tape collection. My preacher had an evangelist. Maybe it was Brother Summerdorf came and preached about uh, destroying all of our filthy CDs and whatnot. And so my pastor said, we're going to have... Uh, a CD burning thing, a tape burning, a vinyl burning thing. Get rid of all the stuff that's trash. And so people came with their music selection, you know, and we're like, you listen to Metallica? What in the world? And people would come in and they would destroy. You know, we're not judging there. We're saying, praise the Lord, people are getting stuff out and getting it clean. And I come with a whole truckload of videotapes, VCR tapes back in the day. A thousand hours hours of wrestling that I taped that I'd watch over again. Like, I don't know if we could burn this. We're going to get the environmentalists come. We'll just uh, make sure that we destroy them. And so they took a lot of young men and took hammers and broke them off, including some rare tapes from Japan and stuff that I could sell for hundreds of dollars. And they took hammers and broke them all just for the purpose that I couldn't come back and get them from the dumpster. Praise the Lord, my pastor was <laughs> smart enough to do that. You said, well, that's silly. Well, you know, we look at it for someone who's going through the thing. I went through withdrawals. I started getting shakes and whatnot. You said, but you weren't addicted to a physical stuff. But that's what addiction does. Yeah. Someone who's trying to quit video games, they go withdrawals. But then you actually have an addictive substance like alcohol or nicotine. It's even that much harder. And so I'm showing sympathy. I know it's hard. But let me tell you, you could have victory in Jesus Christ. Amen. By the way, anyone would be glad to help you. Have accountability. There's different ways. God can help you and give you grace. Again, why am I saying this? I'm not just trying to beat up on people. I'm honestly trying to say that the most important thing is to be close to the Lord. And if there's anything, whether it's professional wrestling or something else that's keeping you from being as close to the Lord as you could be, it's a bad thing. It may not be a sinful thing. Is professional wrestling sinful? No. 
But it's keeping me in the way of the Lord, so I'm going to forsake it so I could have him. You understand that? And so if there's anything that keeps me from being close to God, we need to get rid of it. Even if it is not sinful, that I may obtain him. The goal is God. The goal is God. So again, in a message like this, if someone's not drinking, they're like, come on, preacher, you let him have it. But my application is not drinking. It can include that. Anything that keeps you from being close to the Lord, set it aside so that you may obtain him. Thank you for listening to this audio message. This is Pastor Scotty Bockhaus, and I encourage you to take this information that you just received and make a specific decision to follow after the Lord. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, let me beg you to take the time to receive Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. If you are saved, I encourage you to make a decision in your life to help you get closer with the Lord. If there's anything specific we can do to be a blessing or to pray for you, we encourage you. Look us up on the internet at riverviewbc.com. Once again, that's riverviewbc.com. Or if you would prefer to call us, you can give us a call at area code 920 Five three zero six three zero eight. Once again, that number is nine two zero five three zero six three zero eight. If there's anything we can do to be a blessing or an encouragement to you, please let us know. We would love to make ourselves available. Thank you.